You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWWire.com's website. You can find <clears throat> everything about the conference we discuss. Uh, football, obviously, is the big thing this week, Week 9 recap. We'll have some basketball stuff soon. Me and our buddy Andy Dykoff might have a uh, working on scheduling to get a podcast up. Uh, but tonight, you get just me, Jeremy, only. Because Matt is off uh, celebrating having a good time this weekend. So you get me. So if you enjoy it, keep listening. If not... Well, I already got the download, so what are you going to do? <laughs> Half kidding. Um, but yes, I will be doing this week nine recap solo, so it might be a touch quicker than normal because there's no back and forth banter. But one piece of big news that happened earlier today is um, if you on Twitter or social media or wherever it may be, Gary Patterson, TCU head coach, former now former TCU head coach, if you don't recall, has abruptly uh, kind of resigned from the – his post in Fort Worth. I know Fort Worth. I know this is not technically Mountain West news, but he was within the conference recently. I guess now a decade ago, and his defense hasn't been good very this hasn't been great this year. It's just not been good for Gary Patterson out there. So the only one memory I do have about um, is the best one when they went to the Rose Bowl that year. And um, shoot, I should have the year in front of me. That would be smart. But it's the time when the Rose Bowl was. They're trying to get more access to the uh, non-AQ, whatever you call it, BCS days, where every four-year cycle, the Rose Bowl had to take a group of five teams, which what they're, what they're known as now. And TCU went to the Rose Bowl and plays concert because the first year they're eligible to go to a BCS game. They went to the like, well, we'll get rid of it now because, you know what I mean? It's like, well, might as well do it, get it out of the way. And that game was epic. I remember he had Tank Carter block. Wisconsin was playing for the win. Yes, going for the win against TCU in twenty is a twenty eleven Rose Bowl twenty ten season. That team was very good. I remember the twenty one nineteen victory, number three TCU Horn Frogs quite well. But the, I remember I looked over my recap I did for the old website. I'm like, how does this game come down? Because I remember Tank Carter, great defender. I think they had Jerry Hughes as well. Uh, I don't recall who the quarterback was as well for that team. I don't think it was Andy Dalton, but let me take a look and see. But I remember, like, why didn't they just run up the middle? What are they doing? Yeah, it was Andy Dalton there. Yeah, he's a QB. So, current, uh, no, he's with the Bears right now. But remember that game, like, they couldn't run the ball worth anything. They had Mon- Monty Ball for Wisconsin. Um, 
Scott Tolson <laughs> playing QB, but like they they they're running at will against this um, Horn Frog defense, which had a really good really good players. But they go for two. They fake the running play, which is dumb because Scott Tolson had 159 yards, and he just batted the ball down to win Rose Bowl 13-0 season. They're really good in the Mountain West. Remember they came to Utah. Just ranked top 10 matchup. Utah TC ran him out of the field. It was crazy. So, but GP is gone, stepping down. Partially, the defense has been kind of crappy this year. He hasn't been very good. Um, and immediately, so it's not a um, a coach or drawn situation where he's finishing the year out, basically doing what, um, what's his name? Uh, what's UConn? Um, oh, geez. Um, Randy Etzel. I <laughs> spaced out the name. But he did take them from Mountain West to the Big 12, did reasonably well. Nothing amazing. Never had that same success in the Mountain West or even like Conferentious. Well, well, debatable with that with little Danny Tomlinson. But he is out. But he's amazing defender, defensive coach. Twenty years in the college football as their head coach, amazing player. And so they've lost three in a row all in conference play in Big Twelve now. But just a little piece of a note I want to bring up because he was part of the Mountain West a while back. And so he's a a great coach. And yeah, actually number let's see, twenty thirteen. I think that was that was in the Big Twelve where they went like a top two finish, top three, whatever. They're very, very good. So that's kind of just a little quick note. But as for the Mountain West stuff, we go back to Friday, and you know, Las Vegas mayor, you take the points. Because <laughs> me and Matt were discussing like this is so stupid. It's like have confidence in your local team. However, um, <laughs> she Carolyn Goodman took the twenty. I think it was a twenty and a half points. Not enough because. Nevada won fifty-one to twenty, not even close. Twenty to zero at halftime. Fade King, Cole Turner. Oh my gosh, he's amazing. Had a couple touchdowns in this game. That one fade was just a thing of beauty. Carson Strong cannot be stopped. Cameron Frill, QB, got the start over Doug Brumfield. Even though Brumfield was ready for him, he was out there ready to go, or maybe not ready to go, but dressed, I should say. But the main thing about this game, we talked what I what we talked about in our preview is like, can Nevada just dominate a bad team? They did in almost every aspect of the game. Carson Strong, 417 yards, four touchdowns. That third quarter, they just, it was done at halftime, 20-0, whatever, it's ho-hum. Then they go up 41-7 going into the fourth quarter. Carson Strong just found whoever he wanted to find. He threw to a million different receivers, like Melquan Stovall had a big game. They drove me dubs, had four for 58, not even a super deep pass, but the, the Wolfpack offense had what at least six plays of 20 plus or more throwing down the field. They were protecting um, Carson Strong, who was not sacked once. UNLV did get five TFLs, and we'll get to the, the the bad part, I guess the lesser part of that game, which wasn't really lesser when you don't need it. When you throw for 400 plus yards, do you really need your running game? That's the only area of a slight concern because Toa Tao had eight carries, 17 freaking yards. Was it needed? So it's like just not a concern because. They were to be concerned. They got the Rebels, like Jacoby Whitman, got in the backfield. Guys like they got TFLs. Aaron Lewis had one of four or five different guys. I like, sorry, I guess Whitman did not get a TFL, but he's always making plays around there. Austin Ajayke had a pretty good game, 10 tackles. But they're, ma- they're making noise in the backfield, which is good for Rebels, but that's the only downside for Nevada because they didn't need to run it, so it's like it's overshadowed by how awesome Carson Strong played. But, man, they just beat the pants off the rival 51 to 20 cannon stays blue but that's my only concern because the rush offense like eh, you don't need it but when they have what's coming down the pipeline that is because the offensive line like rush rushing offensive line and defensive as well has been an issue because they do have san jose state who's okay they're could be on track to bowling 
at San Diego State, Air Force, and CSU. So that's not easy, but it's a game where it's like, yeah, they could maybe, they could possibly win out. We'll see how that goes. The rush defense shut down Charles Williams, 17 carries, 30 yards. That's what me and Matt were discussing one part of the game where if Williams can get going, he would need like at least 175 to keep it close. Not even, oh boy, not like nothing was right, went right for UNLV. Brumfield, I guess technically they scored points. They got 10 points, or excuse me, 20 points, not 10. They got 10 in the whatever, my mistake, 20 points. Like Kyle Williams, good. Like Steve Jenkins, good. Both got touchdowns. Jenkins had a huge game, 12 for 133. He's all over the field. Like Carson Strong, this is the UNLV defense, couldn't stop anything. They, and there was just nothing that could be done. Cameron Friel had three picks. Like this Nevada secondary he had three different guys out there, two returned for pick sixes. So like this wasn't even an offensive all Nevada offense. Where that's also why the running game, I'm like, whatever. When you have Dayon Hentley, excuse me, and Tyson Williams both get a pick six, like they're like I could just go into the game like Nevada dominated, they're amazing, they're great, they crushed their bad team, but UNLV, man, I. I don't know, man. Like, it is bad. 0-8, 0-4. Nevada held UNLV to 16 plays from scrimmage and four punts in the first half before the Rebels got a in the first half. 16 plays. Who the heck has only 16 plays in the first half? Four, like, that is the fewest plays you could have without a turnover. So, well, sorry, fewest plays per possession, I should say. Because three and out, well, maybe not that many, but like they could not do anything. They first four drives were punts. They went three, six plays, nine, twelve, yeah, sixteen plays, punt, interception. Like this UNLV team is not good. And like we don't want to, like Marcus Royal. It's own eighteen, or excuse me, um, not own eighteen, um, own twelve. Lost all the games last year, or own thirteen, whatever. They've lost every game since he took over. They lost fourteen games in a row. I don't know what to do with this team because you would think, okay, you got Charles Williams. We, th- we thought the QB situation was getting a bit better, like last week, whether it be Cameron Frill or Doug Brumfield. Like Cameron Frill, to his credit, yeah, he had three picks. He did throw 41 times. He completed over 50%. I'll, be, I'll play the Matt character here because he'll be always positive. Did throw over 50% of his passes. Did have almost 300 yards. So it's like he was bad, but a three picks, two pick sixes, no running game to help him. And last year's really that year zero thing we talked about with Coach Arroyo barely having anything to do last year with COVID and how much you could practice, not a full season, all that type of stuff. But UNLV, I, I should look it up. I don't know what their longest losing streak ever is, but they're 14 in a row. They're getting not just losing, like they lose by 31 points to your rival. They are losing they lost to Eastern Washington. They have blown up by Iowa State, blown up by Arizona State. We thought there might be a little bit of movement there because they're one possession game versus Fresno, one possession game versus UTSA, one possession game versus Utah State. All these games are the last four games are one possession, eight or fewer points. If you're okay, they're losing, but they're close. Nevada clearly is the best team they played since Fresno State and Iowa State was that big stretch. So it's like, what do you do with Arroyo? It's like not that I'm calling like he should be gone, but this UNLV team, like we say, all oh, the young guys, Jacoby Woodman, Tyler Collins, all these type of guys, they don't have a running game. It's inconsistent, even though for what Charles Williams can do. Courtney Reese is the only other person that got to carry in the whole game outside of Cameron Fields' scrambles, where minus 28 yards overall. So it's there's a lot to be discussed with UNLV. I don't know where to begin at the moment because they we thought they're close. Maybe I'm overreacting, but you just keep losing. Like you need a win. 
They need, and then now you got here's the other issue, like not to project too much, but new athletic director coming into town. He wasn't hired, which obviously didn't hire the football coach. So what is that going to mean for Roy's future? Like, could UNLV like do a quick three, three year and done, two years and done when they hire the new AD summer, give them one year, see how it goes? I don't know, but that's quick, a quick hook for them. But Rebels coaches, like, they've all gone through their contracts, going back a few coaches, but it's all eh, they five, five or six years max, they're out. So. Like, they play at New Mexico, maybe they win. Like, they have Hawaii at home. Hawaii's not a juggernaut, but they're okay. They, they have a Shavon Cordero back. They got Aztecs and Air Force, no way. Like, they might win one game, which would be fine, but I don't – I'm not calling for them to be gone, but something – I don't know what the deal is. Like, UNLV, it's, it's bad. It's not good. And that's all I got. I'm not going to just drown on them because I'm going to be negative Nancy this whole time because that's lame, but – Nevada did what we wanted wanted them to do. The only one little thing was running the ball better. But when you're at big, you get a couple pick sixes, defensive turnovers, go for touchdowns. There's not much to really harp upon for that performance. They beat the rival by 30 points. But again, Las Vegas mayor, whew, take, don't even take the team straight out. Take the points. Can't even win 20, 20 and a half points. Can't even get that, man. Get get your butt kicked. And I'm glad I changed last second, 41-10, which was almost a difference in this game, the 30 points. Uh, difference with it being 51 to 20 so next game let's go to hawaii and utah state so in this game we weren't sure who's going to start it's 51 31 utah state over the warriors utah state's bull eligible which is amazing because they're under, over under win total i think it was like three and a half maybe four and a half they cleared it quite easily so when you look at this game if you watch it because it's on t1 sports app or pay-per-view spectrum out or spectrum pay-per-view for it at hawaii for early i think 9 a.m local kick but yeah have give credit to defense because in this game Shavon Cordeo got to start for Hawaii, which he played well. Brought in Brian Schrager late, whatever, didn't do great. But Cordeo, after being out, threw for almost 300 yards, three TDs. But this game got away quickly. It's 14-0 at halftime, 14-0 first quarter, 20-10 at half, sort of close. Like, it was just kind of Utah State slowly pulled away. Because after the first quarter, it was – Utah State was still winning easily, but Hawaii – Made it uh, 25, what was it uh, 27-25 between second and third quarter, 10-6 to six to fourth quarter. So it's mostly with the Warriors, yeah, they lose by 20. That first quarter kind of sunk them a little bit to come back from behind. But when you look at Utah State, Devin Tompkins, probably the best receiver in the conference, averaged 25 yards per catch, moved the ball against this wide defense, which we thought with Victor De La Cruz would be okay. But it all comes back to, the pick six defense again. Pick six will be a theme this week. Apparently, you have you have that first quarter touchdown. You have Utah State picking up a uh, return for a touchdown, or excuse me, fumble return for a touchdown. So the defense came up huge, and you in Hawaii just when you have the amount of turnovers they have in this game, it was overall it was um, three to two. But when two go for points, like okay, here's it. You lose by twenty points, big loss. When you have two defensive scores, that's fourteen points clearly. Obviously, I got the math touchdown, an extra point. Yeah, it's 14 points each. So, sorry, it wasn't a, wasn't a pick six, but interception led to a touchdown. So, those type of things, if those don't happen, but they did, obviously, that that's a problem. They also had the uh, turnover, and, oh, sorry, turnover downs was not a score. But all, on, all two of his repossessions, Utah State scored. And Aggie's like, oh boy, Logan Bonner, huge game. Four to, he, I don't. It's either him or Carson Strong, player of the week. Bonner had 361 yards, four TDs. You had also great running attack as well. Like Calvin Tyler Jr. didn't play. But you have uh, like Elian Noah, no big deal. 111 yards, had his own touchdown, long at 36, moving the ball. Multiple guys caught the, like this deep 
passing game was on fire. Derek Wright had a huge 46-yarder. Justin McGriff had a 45-yarder. Devin Tompkins a 45-yarder. Tompkins didn't score, but it mattered. And when you look at what Hawaii did offensively, they did well too. Like Calvin Turner led them in receiving, or second receiving. You had, I guess, catches or whatever. Close up. Derek Parsons, we, Dedrick Parsons, we thought would do a good job. Like Hawaii's offense moved the ball. They got yardage. They couldn't run the ball. It's a problem. Like Parsons was was their best receiver and runner because he also had 10 for 30 on the ground. And so when you have your best, when you have a running back leading your team receiver, technically two because Calvin Turner is technically, I don't know, what is he, running back? Uh, he's something. Um, some sort of all-purpose type of guy we know. But when your two leading receivers are technically running backs, Jared Smart did fine, 58 yards, but they you got to find a receiver. But the Aggies defense, which has been all year, not good, not good. That's all the... People have been saying, but yeah, Justin Rice, two couple TFLs. They had 12 TFLs, four pass deflects, five freaking sacks in this game. Like, this is a, yeah, 31 points to put up, but they needed their defense to step up and make plays with the interceptions, with the fumble recovery, scoring after short fields. Like, it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. No, I had no, no joke. I, I had a Darius Mouse out 16 for, in two and a half TFLs, but when you look through overall what happened, Utah State is much better than people thought, clearly. they. This was probably... Yeah, you think 31 points, that's a lot to give up. But, like, if you look at the big thing, complete game, for over four yards total passing because you had Aaron, Andrew Peasley come in. You averaged nine clean sack yards. It's K2.9, not great. But if you look at what Noah did, almost five yards carrying himself. Receivers, 18 half yards per catch. They had eight guys catch a pass, three guys over 80-plus yards. Like, this was a dominant performance overall. Hawaii's just good enough offensively in the secondary for the Aggies, that's like the only thing I'd look at it concerning. But then again, when you're getting running backs, catching the ball, it's not necessarily a secondary if you really dive deep into it and what they did. This was just a game where they were got out to the lead. They 14-0, 20-10 at time. It's kind of a slow burn once they got a big lead. That's why I made a comeback. That second, third quarter, it's like, ooh, it's kind of, are they going to make a run? But it wasn't the case when Utah State scores field touchdowns and Hawaii has to settle for field goals. That doesn't help either. I guess the one field goal, but not enough points, obviously. They were chasing points the whole game. They were down early, and there wasn't really much they could do. And so Utah State's in the – like, when you look at Utah State's clearly in the driver's seat. They're in first place in the Mountain Division. And I could make the half joke like, well, maybe we need to scrap divisions because wouldn't you rather want to see another – well, Mountain's not bad, but like maybe a Nevada-Fresno State title game or – Pick between Nevada, San Diego State, Fresno. We'll get to all those games later, but would you rather see those type of matchups again or see Utah State, who is leading the conference right now, or leading the division right now, 4-1, and one, has the tiebreak, basically a two-game lead. They've almost honestly may have clinched it already because they've already have the tiebreaker over Air Force and one fewer loss. Um, they beat Colorado State, one, one fewer loss, tiebreaker there. Um, the only team that might honestly could catch them if they finish with the tie is Boise State, who's 2-2 two and two in league play. So that is a thing as well to look at where we'll see how that goes. 
All right, so let's move on to the next game here. I'm probably going to blast for these just because it's solo here. But um, next game, let's go to Wyoming San Jose State. Oh, my goodness. This was, I put it in the bold projection piece I did, that um, loser, toast. Loser is gone in this game. For bold purpose. Not from the conference, not death, obviously. But San Jose, San Jose State 27, Wyoming 21. Not as close as you would think because... It just wasn't. The first quarter, no points. But Nick Nash became the first quarterback Matt Kennelly put up in his winners and losers since Cody Fajardo from Nevada to go for 150 passing, 100 rushing. So it was basically Nick Nash showing he played well enough for the win. He had a touchdown pass. He had a rushing touchdown as well. The huge 48-yard scramble where, well, I mean, learn, remember how to tackle? Two hands, pull the guy's jersey down. Not behind the neck, but just kind of tackle him. But the, another big story in this game, Levi Williams got to start over... Sean Chambers during the week, it was noted. He's going to start through 22 freaking times. Only It's funny, him and Nick, Nick Nash are both left on 22, but only 129. But the, they killed two picks, man. They had Xavier Validate crush it, 172 yards. He had the 67-yarder. But the problem is two interceptions. Doesn't help. Because that's the key. I was looking, like, there's a stat in the game where Wyoming was, uh, like, I should pull it up here exactly, but, like, plus Basically, the turnover margin was in their favor because they've lost four in a row now. They're four and zero now. They're four, four and four. Zero and four conference play bull game likely not very good to happen, or not not likely to happen. And their defense didn't play bad this game. Like it took it took San Jose State a while to get going because they forced um, four and out, three and out, three and out, and then took they finally got the touchdown in the second quarter. Then started going crazy. They got an interception, led to a field goal, points there. They had the uh, other interception, six points off turnovers, which could be a difference there. It was. 27-21, both turnovers led for points. And then Wyoming went forward on downs. Like, that was kind of the big thing in the game. They're down 27-14. I know I'm bouncing around here. But that drive late in the game, later in the game, where they started at their own. <laughs> I saw jokes on Twitter. <laughs> Wyoming started to ball inside their five no matter what. At their own one yard line after a punt. They went all the way down. They converted a fourth and fourth and one. They went for it again on fourth and two at the 15 because what would a field goal do to make it 27-17? Whatever. Incomplete pass on fourth and two. It's like, well, you try. I don't know why they don't run it because Valade had 170-something yards. That's a problem. It's when he doesn't get the ball. But the Swamming team, Craig Bull, it's like people in our DMs, like our buddy Jesse and other guys, like, oh, FCS coaches don't make good FBS coaches. Like, well, yeah. But the big thing was what Nick Nash, like, he was running. Like, it wasn't like Tyler Nevins had a huge game, 71 yards. Mm, did fine. Yeah, Kerry Robinson with that big, long run and touchdown. Like, he found Derek Deese a bunch downfield. This is just kind of a turnovers killed Wyoming in this game. Wyoming. Like, their defense held. The, when you look at the, like, the yards per play and stuff, this defense of game is quite well because they held Spartans to 3 of 11 on third downs. Like, I still trust this defense to play well because Nick Nash – yeah, that half his yard, rushing yards came in one play. So when you look at the yards per play, the out like they were barely outgained. Like they had no penalties on defense. Problem is defense isn't creating turnovers. Which like remember Chad Muma had to pick sixes early in the year. Like their turnover margin is what's killing. They're minus two in this game, and I know it's cliche. Oh, get the turnover margin, you'll win and do well. Well, there's a reason why it's a cliche because cliches are typically truths essentially. Because we look at for the season. Big picture, like turnover margin, they are now currently minus, minus, excuse me, can't speak, minus six. But when you look at, when you kind of break it up, if I can go by game log here, when I look over there, they were 
Let's see. First three games are a plus five. They were zero versus Montana, Montana State, plus two versus Northern Illinois, plus three versus Ball State. And when you look at their close games and losses, basically from UConn on, they are a ridiculous, they were minus in every game. They are minus one, two, yes, math on a podcast, lovely, minus seven, minus 11 in their fine, in their most recent five games. They cannot do that. And also in that time, they've only gained two um, turnovers. They had an interception and a fumble recovery against UConn and Air Force. They've forced no turnovers in their final, prior three games, minus nine in their final three games. So they have been on the downtrend. Like That is a huge difference to why they're not winning. And when you couple that, and that's mostly the offensive fault, obviously. Defense, creating turnovers is tricky. A little, not that I know there's a fumble luck thing, but creating turnovers in defense, it takes a skill. If you're punch the ball out, jump and get a pick six, but losing the ball on offense, bad throws, bad ball control on running backs, not holding the proper position, pulling like a tiki barber. He's finally taught to hold the ball at the corners and not lose it. But the Wyoming defense I trust, Xavier and Valaday I trust, like we were talking about all the time, give him all the carries he needs. 22-4-72, fine. Nick Nash, or excuse me, not Nick Nash, but Levi Williams did. I know he had to turn turnovers, but it wasn't terrible, but also the Williams maybe a little bit more rushing than 35 yards. Like he wasn't bad, but... This game was close, but didn't seem close because that second quarter, Spartans were just rolling away. Like they're, I think they're up 17 0, not just 17 7. Yeah, uh, no, 10 0, 10 7. I think the last touchdown, like kind of in that fourth first half, kind of like crap. Ten, like they held them to a field goal. Wyoming storms back touchdown. Like if they make a stop, but it's that seven play drive where they just kind of moved down the field. They started at their own 18 and only took seven plays. Like they have multiple 10, 10 plus plays on that drive. So they're moving, moving. It's like the Wyoming defense was okay. They need to create turnovers in the offense. Like you can't give the ball up. It's like it's a quarterback situation. That's a problem. And the Spartans like, they haven't been good all year either. It's like, Wyoming. it's like, you guys got to figure something out. But for Wyoming going forward, like if we do a quick look at like maybe bowl options, even though I said they're probably toast, they're sitting at four and four. They still have CSU for the bronze boot, which, again, I don't remember if it was our buddy Jesse or Josh in our DMs, Josh Fredlund and Jesse used to do some Wyoming stuff for us. But he, we, keep him around our, we keep him around our DMs just for some fun because he does a good job in kind of chatting about Cowboy football. The winner of that team is going to keep their bad coach because Steve Adagio, whew, not a huge fan for people and clearly what um, Coach Bowles is doing. So that game, I'd say it's a, I'd honestly probably lean toward toss-up. The way Boise's playing, they're not great. But it's on the road, probably leaning toward Boise. They go to Utah State, clearly leaning Utah State, and then they host Hawaii. So maybe there's a chance for – they're going to win two of those. So if I'm picking two, I'm picking probably Rams-Hawaii because they're both at home, but we'll see. But Spartans now, they're in a much better position with five wins. They only need one more to to make the cut here, or to make a bowl game, obviously, to get to um, what they need. And just a quick note on their schedule because – I'd like to make the podcast not 40, 30 minutes because I talk way too fast. So maybe instead of people putting it like 1-1, one, 1-2, one, 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 three seed speed, stick me at point eight or point nine, and maybe it'll sound like more cohesiveness because I, I do my best. Uh, they have at Nevada, probably not a win. Host Utah State, probably not a win. And Fresno State. So oof, their best win is Utah State, and that's tricky at home. So we'll see if the Spartans can even make a bowl game. All right, moving on here. We have another game. We have a little bit more. Let me pull up my um, man. I need to get my. <laughs> I 
this happens with Matt, but I can't vamp and do it because I'm like, oh no, I don't have my box score up or my weekly because I click on the wrong link, which is the case. But when you look at, let's just, when you look at the Mountain West, what they have going on, there are fewer games. But let's get to it now. I, man, this is terrible. I hate when this happens. Like, hey, let's keep talking about Mountain West. But when we go forward, first go Boise State, Colorado State, CSU. They've never beaten Boise State in the league. CSU, Coach Adazi, the funny thing about him was where I should have started with this. Lower leg injury. They don't tell us exactly what it is, like he's a freaking player. Just his lower leg injury, calling games from the booth. So insert jokes about him not allowing the kicking team on the field because that happened quite a bit. But they had the lead, or he was up in the booth. He came down later on at some point, so it must not have been that bad because Rams actually had a lead in this game. And people were like, oh, is Boise State lead going to go away? Is Boise State not going to make a bowl game? It was 16-7 to at the half, uh, CSU up. Like, well, Rams are figuring things out. You have Todd Centeno throwing pretty well. The uh, running game wasn't quite there. He had Boise not running very well on their own. Like, Cyrus Habib Likio only had 61 yards of the game. Like, Kalisha Shakir had their biggest rushing attack of the day. George Solani got a ton of carries, but only 43 yards. Like, they were, including sack, sack yards, like 3.6 per play. They got a couple sacks of Hank Bachmeyer. But, Rams are at home, too, which is man, not good. But Hank Bachmeyer, the 51 dart touchdown. Oh, my goodness. That was what? That was an amazing pass he had. That was one of the big plays. The only catch by, by Tynell Hopper all game. Kalash Shakir had a huge game as well, but that 51-yarder, whew, very nice. So that's where it's just the Rams. It's like I feel bad for them, but then again, it's what they do. They lose to this team all the time. And so those are kind of things that happen where eh, I don't feel too bad for them. But when you look at overall, like – they, I, sorry, I shouldn't say I don't feel bad for them because that's kind of mean and rude to say about, about a certain team. But it's it's they're down they're up sixteen to seven. Boise State's not any good. They should get it done. But they stumble and fall and allow Hank Bachmar, who's a good quarterback, to play well. And also, if you read what Matt put out there, um, they can't um, set up for field goal, field goals all the time because that's a problem. We knew this problem in other games as well throughout the year where they settle for. Like, not just field goals, but short field goals. And that happened in red zone. Fourth and goal at the four, field goal. They have another another touchdown, or excuse me, a red zone. Fourth and goal at the two, field goal. They have a, the other field goal was also fourth and goal at the two. Three field goals, or excuse me, maybe it's four. Four freaking field goals inside the red zone. Ten yards and closer, three within the five. And they settle for field goals only. And it's like, you can't do that if you're going to win. You have to score touchdowns at some point. And that comes back to not be able to run the ball very well. Because Todd Centeno, quarterback, obviously, rushed lead team, led team rushing. David Bailey, 21 carries, only 37 yards in the game. Not very good at all. And so Boise's defense stepped up big. Like, Todd Centeno did okay in the air. Like, 23-36, fine. Not a big deal. Boise's rushing game wasn't anything impressive. It was, they spread out to a lot more guys. Like, even Jack Sears got in and had a one play, but minus one yard. Like, Stephen Cobbs, the young guy, got him. Andrew Van Beer and Octavius Evans got in their head. They did Octavius Evans' touchdown. So that was a little mix-up. A little, not mix-up, but, um, I don't know, but a wide receiver get going in there for a touchdown. Rushing the ball. 
this was just two two halves basically because that third quarter, Boise scores fourteen. Like Rams only scored three points in the second half. They were unable to convert the touchdowns. Obviously, they got the one one field goal again into ten yard line inside the red zone. Came back to just bite them in the ass where they could not score a touchdown. If you're at the freaking two yard line, you got to score points. Like I don't know what to tell for your team. I don't know what to tell you, man. Your team has to. It just days like the Colorado one has a great headline: the Rant football unra- unravels in second half and lost to Boise State. Like this is unacceptable for this team where they they've been getting better. Like they've been improving all year. Like they started off really bad. South Dakota State lost Vanderbilt. They hung with Iowa. They're getting some wins. They're playing better. But I don't know if it's a Boise State thing, but it's a it's a running game thing where it's been inconsistent. And this is the another game added to the list of kicking field goals from like inside the ten yard line. They're now three and five, two and two in league play. They are inside the five yard multiple times, like field goals that we already mentioned. Boise had three, but conversely, Boise's three red zone possessions, all touchdowns. So clearly, that was the biggest difference. And this is very similar to the Vanderbilt loss to CSU earlier in the year. Like I don't know what to tell, what to do on this for Ramsand, but be pissed that you can't run the ball two yards, like get a touchdown, like. Run a play like if you're if you're getting stuck on field goals, run a play like you don't have to kick points. But if you're like at the two, be the be bold, go for it. Like kick like you're, you yes you trouble it's troubling that you can't run the ball very well. But fourth and two, you have enough weapons like Dante Wright. You have you have all these guys on this team. You have players who can make plays. At least you think it with David Bailey, they freaking Trey McBride. Like get your tight end the ball. He's one of the best in the country. Like Cole Turner gets all the credit for being the fade king, but like McBride is a really good, probably the better pro prospect tight end. Why is he not getting the ball at the two yard, two yard line? Like not, not not necessarily a fade, but he's a huge guy. Throw him to the corner. Like throw like the it's kind of a fade, but not. But you know the pass I'm talking about, where it's like at the sideline, where if he doesn't catch it, it's out of bounds. I almost would rather if you're a Rams fan, like go for it. Your defense is good. Boise doesn't have a rushing game. Make them go 95 plus yards. Make them work it to get a touchdown and not just field goal. Because I get points are valuable. Points are king. Points are how you win the game. But at some point, after your second or third try, and this isn't the first week, like, go for it. It's not like it's fourth and one at the 30. It's fourth and two at the, like, at the two-yard line. Fourth and goal at the two. So I, it's just, I don't know what to tell them. But it's uh, very, very, very disappointing for this team. And they have... They've been showing proof and better. And Boise's not very good this year, so it's good for them to get the four and four. But it's like, man, what the heck are they going to do here? They're sitting like uh, McBride had like that's the thing. McBride had ten catches for 103 yards. Like you tell me, he can't get him two to five yards a couple times. Like the first time, fine, kick the field goal, <laughs> go for it, good, perfect. <clears throat> Excuse me, like not a huge deal. Do that, like they're like go for it. But then when you look at like the Boise side, running game, man, yeah, not very great. Like, Hank Bachmeyer, three touchdowns, very good. Like, he only had 250 yards. That's fine. Nothing amazing. But, like, when you look at the defense, they both teams played good defense. Like, five TFLs for Boise, a sack, six pass breakups. Rams had a couple sacks, a couple five TFLs, five QB hurries. Hank Bachmeyer was pressured a bunch. But it's just what it came down to is, like, Rams offense can't get a couple yards. You're, you're tell, Like, in this game, literally 10 yards would have made the difference. They, they, score, they lose 28-19. They score two touchdowns instead. That's eight points. They they win the game or 
almost whatever. It's much closer, 28-27. But my point being, all the field goals red zone, that would make a difference because it just would change the game going touchdowns over. And like overall, like no turnovers, penalties were fairly even. Like they were pretty even over. Like yards per play passing were the same. Um, yards per play rushing were let's see favored Boise by by about half a yard, which is kind of shocking. Like, third down conver- conversion was also a big deal, 5 of 15. The even two of most of these plays were third and short. Couldn't get it, fourth and short. Boop, kicked the field goal. The Rams, they're just, like, this close to getting there. Like, if you see my fingers, they're just, it's like your fingers are really close. It's like if they're that close, like, a couple yards here, a couple yards there, they win this game, they may have beaten another team on the schedule. Scoring touchdowns over field goals is key, so... They're not a bad team. They're not great. They're close on certain things, and they're just not quite there yet. All right, moving on. As for a bowl game, probably not. It'd be difficult. They got to. They they got eight games. They got to win three or four. Ooh, not good. All right, last one. Final thing we're doing here. You. <laughs> you have, boy, Nevada. And you have oh no, not Nevada. I talk about them. San Diego State and Fresno State. That's what we're doing here. The, uh, if you ever watch this game on TV, it has the uh, good old oil can, which looks like it's 100 years old, which it might be, it seems like, for what you put stuff in. And, like the old, I think I, I think the thing is going from Central Valley to San Diego, and, well, apparently in this case, L.A. So this game, I San Diego State, you're undefeated. We want an undefeated team to Mountain West. I couldn't pick it. Couldn't go with it. It was Fresno State 30. San Diego State 20. Bulldogs now ranked 25th, I think, in both bowls, I believe. So this game, Lucas Johnson proves me right, sort of. San Diego State, like, they threw 38 times. 31 by Lucas Johnson. You know things aren't going well when they throw 31 times. However, he had 220 yards, a touchdown, but two bad interceptions. Jay Kaner only had one, one touchdown. The biggest thing in this game was there was no Ronnie Rivers, which huge deal, most most likely all-purpose guy, one of the best running backs, versatile guy. But he had Jordan Mims step in, who had a huge game last week, had 186 this week, that huge long 59-yarder, two touchdowns, and then also like as like nobody's seen Tree Thompson, nobody's seen these guys in the backfield, like they're gonna not Tree Thompson, but they're gonna stop this secondary against of San Diego State. Fresno's never seen it. Well. Josh Kelly, 5 for 107. Jalen Cropper, 6 for 84. Carrick Wheatfall, 6 for 4, 4 for 47. Touchdown for Wheatfall. 69 yard pass for Josh Kelly reception. 38 yards to Jalen Cropper. Very good plays. Like, Aztecs defense, no, they were outplayed drastically in this game. And it was still only a 10 point game. And one thing, too, Fresno's defense stepped up big time. They were committed to not letting Greg Bell beat them, who had 15 for 63. And a third of those yards came one play. Lucas Johnson had 60 on the ground, which is good for QB, clearly. Like Johnson played well. I like what he did. They brought in William Haskell late. He had, to enter, he had to enter the game for a little bit. But the running game, like, Greg Bell didn't do well. He only had 63 yards. But Fresno was like, they were past, like watching the first half. They are moving the ball. They're up 20-7. Aztecs had no real answer for what Fresno was doing. And Aztecs couldn't move the ball. Because it took them on that thir- third drive, which... Was pretty impressive that 15 play drive after both teams basically go not three and out, but three out, five and out for whatever Aztecs. But they got the third down conversion twice on that drive. Excuse me, three, four third down conversions on that first drive. Like Aztecs defense, where are you guys at here? Step up and make a play. 
they could not stop. Like the third downs were third and five, pass play, third and six, pass play, third and one, running play, third and one, or what's the other one? My math is wrong here. Oh, yeah, they're all pass plays and one run play. So Aztec's defense, which, hey, it's amazing. It's great. It's good. Could not stop them. They went 86 yards for a touchdown. Um, then there's interception, which led for a touchdown right there. That's that's a big deal in this game, clearly. Both teams are missing a couple of field goals. But that interception, uh, that led to points. They had 10 points of turnovers, 10-point game. Oh, excuse me, 17 points of turnovers because they had the fumble for a field goal in that second second half. That went seven plays. And then interception, uh, two plays later, scored a touchdown. So it's like the Wyoming game. It's come back to the bite. Your turnovers are a thing and a big deal. Because overall in this game, they were still close to being 30-20. to 20. Fresno State won, obviously. They were played better. Def- like their defense is balled out and played best, better than they played all year. The three turnovers, penalties are about the same. Like, overall, like, the, the biggest thing, again, like I mentioned, the interception, all the big things here, interceptions, and we're going to make Greg, make, um, not Greg, but Lucas Johnson beat you in there, and he did well, but no way he do, he, he clearly didn't do well enough. Like, these teams are pretty even overall, like, first down percentage, third down conversions, pretty pretty even. First downs total, pretty even. Yards for play, actually pretty even overall. Like, seven, like, half yard difference in passing in favor for us, no. Point three favored in Fresno for rushing. But that's the shocking part a little bit. Not shocking, but Fresno is a solid running game. But Greg Bell, it's like, Aztecs are known for running the freaking ball. Lucas Johnson did what he could, but those interceptions, like the biggest thing for me, a Hainer did great. Jordan Mims exceeded expectation, but defense for Fresno clearly outplayed anything I thought they would be. It's not like, okay, it's not like the Aztecs offense is amazing, but they can run the ball against anybody. Evan Williams had 13 tackles. They had... No sacks, two TFL. So while I say the defense played awesome, even though it's what's interesting because Johnson did throw it 31 times, no sacks. He ran and got 60 yards himself. So it's not like that was a great part of defense, but they were the best part was let's just not let Greg Bell beat us. They were going to stop the run, and they did, and that was the big difference in this game. And then any turnover they had, they took advantage of the Aztecs defense, which clearly did not play, even though they had a couple TFLs. Four TFLs, a couple of sacks. Cameron Thomas had a pretty good game. The defense just, like the secondary, which is vaunted. Like this, everybody's like, oh, this, nobody's seen the show on Twitter. But like nobody's seen this secondary. Fresno can't do anything. And I made the point in our preview, like at some point, if Fresno State breaks through, which I think they will, they'll win the game. And, they, and if they get ahead and Aztecs are behind, like they were behind 7-0. to uh, Let me get the exact deficit overall. They are down 14-0, obviously. Them down, they are not them down. They were down twenty to zero. It's like we joke, like they're G five Iowa. There's no, they're so good defensively, but in special teams, but their offense stumbles or need points, they can't do it. They're that bad offensively. They, they're not even average. Like we joke, like if they're average offensively, they'd be like a top ten team in the country, top fifteen team in the country, which they're trending that way. If their offense was at least like sixtieth in SP plus, they somehow are still ranked ahead of Fresno in SP plus overall. But there's some preseason rankings still baked into that, but. They're a team where if they need points and down, they can't do it, and they proved it. They made a comeback a little bit, like 20-0, 20-7. They made it interesting, 23-13. 20, 20 it's getting kind of close, but they were not going to – wasn't going to be done. Like they got that late touchdown to make it 30-20, to 20, but they were not in this game. They were down 30-13, but being down that amount of points is all like more – like a 10-point deficit, like I don't trust them to come back if they're down 10 against almost any team in the country in the second half, or at least in the conference – they, the weird thing is, like, they passed well, but 
But had they run the ball reasonably well, that would have been a different story. But you can't lose the fumble, can't have the interception. That's a problem. And it was all all three fu- turnovers were on Lucas Johnson. Him running the ball, had the fumble, and the two picks. And Jake Hanner found who he needed to find. Mm-hmm. 25-42, fine, 302 yard, 306 yards, good. But as Mims, as rushing offense or rushing defense, which was the big difference in this game, and obviously turnovers. But like when you look at expectations, like I wouldn't expect Frozen to run that well, and I wouldn't expect Aztecs to run that poorly. So this makes it 30-20. to 20. So when you look at the West Division race, it's getting quite interesting now because they're both three, both have one loss. And let me pull it up here. Aztecs are 7-1, to 3-1. Bulldogs seven and two, four and one. We have that one weird loss to Hawaii, which okay, they got lost to Hawaii. So the tiebreaker favors Fresno. Fresno has now beaten. I think they probably. Oh man, see that's why it helps have Matt here. I'm pretty sure they already beat Nevada last week. I like I'm ninety nine percent sure, but I'm trying to pull everything up here to make sure I have it proper and prim and not like hey you, dude freaking screwed up on here. You didn't know what you're talking about. You missed this game here, um, Fresno. Um, yeah, they beat Nevada last week. So they have Boise State, which it's a, it's a rivalry game. Interesting. New Mexico and at San Jose State. So they're on track for a 10-1 season, I think. Pretty like When you look at, really quick, the um, FPI, which is out already in the line. I don't have the line in front of me, which I will in a second. But Fresno's um, only 54% favorite in this game. That's kind of interesting at home. And uh, but how, and they're a 5.5-point home favorite as well over Boise State early on here Sunday night. But so they have Boise State. But when you look at overall in the standings, with their victories over the top two teams in the West Division, there's like if it's a Fresno State Utah State title game, man, Fresno State's just gonna roll them. I don't think Utah State can hang around. Sorry guys, just my thoughts right now. Even though I, Utah State is six and two, playing quite well, not quite trusting them. When you especially look at points allowed, just super quick in conference play, Fresno one hundred nine, Utah State one fifty one. Also, it should be noted in league play. This is, I just noticed this now. Fresno scored thirty points. Aztecs have allowed 64 all year, including that game in league play. So half, almost half their points in four league games came in one game. So that's a problem. And also, it doesn't help when you only score 90 points, which is only more than New Mexico and Wyoming, who have 30, 38 points each. They're the third worst scoring team in Mountain West play so far this year. But you look at what they have. They have the tiebreaker over Aztecs, tiebreaker over Wolfpack. The only way be a weird issue is if, say, San Jose State wins out and that includes a win over Fresno, they would get they'd be... They'd get the bid, but I don't see San Jose State doing that. So I'm not saying it's done, but it's almost like in the like they have a well, any loss would knock Fresno out. So maybe I shouldn't go that far because they'll have a loss. But they're clearly controlled the next two teams of the tiebreaker. So they're up front. They're not. There's not. They're not in as good as position as Utah State, who has a one game lead and owns a tiebreaker over Air Force. So there's that. But man, this week. Good teams are coming to win. Fresno State gets comes out, which I'm not too surprising because again their offense Aztecs is so not good. Like had they run reasonably well, like they probably could have won this game. Have one less turnover, they could have won this game. I like how Lucas Johnson threw the ball for that many yards, but they got to find the running game. So that's what we'll do today. We'll wrap it up there. A touch shorter show because I'm going solo. My voice might kind of go out and be a bit for talking for 45 straight minutes. But we'll be back next week. MWR.com of our week. Week 10, really? Week 10 preview? Check the website. We'll have some stuff up for all sorts of things going on. With it being this close, I'm probably going to put out like a – I know FPI kind of projects out the rest of the way. That might be interesting to see who what they have, maybe finish the rest of the way. So maybe look for something like that, bowl projections, power rankings, all that great stuff. But, yeah, we'll be back next time, MWR.com, MWCWR on Twitter. I'll see you next week, folks.